Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Jonah chapter 1, and it should come up on the screen as well if you don't have a Bible in the NIV version. We welcome those listening by way of the internet, and if you've just downloaded the podcast today, we welcome you to, amen. Father God, help me to deliver your word today in clarity and in truth, Lord, that your word would accomplish what it desires. Holy Spirit, fill this room now for every heart that is so precious to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be talking uh, this morning, just for a short time, um, on the subject of redirecting your call. Some of us in our lives have a calling. We have a calling from God. We know of this, of something we could call it. You may hear people say a higher call or something we're called to, what God is asking us to do. If you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, you soon find out that God leads you to a position in your walk, in your faith, where there is a call to do more. In fact, throughout my life, my experience has been that when you come into relationship with Jesus, you don't just tick a box. He actually keeps asking you to do more. In fact, Yesterday, when I hear a prophet come in and you, you hear someone speak of the future and the destiny of what God wants to do, because that's what the prophetic is. It releases destiny. It tells us what God has in store for us and plans for us. I found throughout my life that whatever I'm doing is never enough. God always wants to do abundantly more than what I'm actually doing now. So I get a little bit scared when I meet prophets because I think, oh no, more work. He wants me to do more. He wants me to do more. And I think, can I, can I do more with my physical body than what he wants me to do? God calls people to do things for him. But let me tell you, if you're saying, well, I'm not a Christian or I'm, uh, I, I haven't felt that I've got this higher call or something that God's asking me to do, let me tell you that every single person on planet earth has a calling to step into faith with Jesus Christ. He calls everyone in the whole world to step into relationship, not religion, but to come into relationship with him. When we were singing this morning, we're singing, you are good, you are good. We don't just sing you are good to a wall, we sing you are good because he is good. Hallelujah. I don't know if you believe that this morning, but the reason why I sing is that my mouth doesn't sing, but my spirit does. It recognizes the spirit of God recognizing my spirit. They connect together and I sing to him and say, you are good. Why? Because he's good. He calls you if you do not know him today. He's saying, I'm calling you today. The phone is going to ring in the heart inside your heart today for you to come into relationship with me. There is not one person in this room is exempt from that phone call. No one. So whether you're thinking, oh, well, I know that I'm in a relationship with Jesus, but there is a call, but I don't know if I've got, uh, I'm invited to this. I believe in some, something else or I don't believe I'm atheist. I don't believe in anything. Let me tell you, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is a phone going to ring in your heart today. A call into relationship with Him. Or God is also going to speak to you about a call upon your life that is higher, that is stretching you, that you may know about. And, in, and today, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you in your heart and stretch you to the next season. Amen? God calls everyone to believe in Him and to serve Him. Serving comes from when we believe, we want to serve Him. That's what I want to do. When I believed in Jesus, all of a sudden I didn't run around doing everything just for the sake of it. You want to serve the one who loved you. Amen? 
We come into service through believing in him. Now, we're going to look at Jonah in just a minute, but Jonah in the Bible is a great example. If you've been to Sunday school, you've heard the stories of Jonah and the whale. I'm not sure if it was a whale, and some people think, oh, is it a fictitious story? Let me tell you, we don't know what kind of stories. I believe this happened, but I believe that what happened when this uh, this story occurred is that we have a man who was called by God to do something, to go somewhere, and to stretch him to his full capacity, and he ran away from the call. You see, when the phone rings in your heart, God does not force you to take the call. Some of us redirect the call. I don't know if you've ever had these PPI people phone you up. (laughs) Oh, every time. Have you ever found that even when you tell them that they've got the wrong number, they seem to call you back the the next week and say, we've got a claim. Or they'll say, you had an accident last week. I'm thinking, did I? I actually start to believe I had an accident. Someone once phoned me up. He said, you've got a problem with your computer. I thought, who's watching me? Where's the cameras? So I, I caught him out because I said, what computer have I got? He still went on. He said, you've got, he says, uh, and he carried on. He says, you know, the, the, your PC and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I let him go on for about five minutes. And at the end of the five minutes, I'm sorry. I said, you're lying to me. You are lying. I said, I've got an Apple Mac. And I've even said, when they phone up, said, you've had an accident. I said, oh, hang on, which was, tell me about the accident. Let them tell me for five minutes about the accident. You know, the accident. No, I don't know. Tell me about my accident. They call and you, you say, no, I'm not interested. Have you ever found that? They always call you back because they're trying to call you back. Listen to me today. You might be thinking when God calls you to do something that it's, I'm going to redirect the call. This is not for me. This kind of call in my life, it's not for me. It doesn't fit the bill. I'm not that type of person. I can't worship lead. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't go to this place because I am just not qualified. You will never be qualified. Never. God is looking for a hungry heart, someone who wants to serve him, but you will never be qualified to do the call. He qualifies the call. He qualifies you in his way, not in your way. And God is going to call you, I believe, there's people in this room are going to be called and a stretch to the next season to do something for God and you've got to step into destiny. You've got to not redirect the call. You've got to not say this call's not for me. It doesn't apply. Because it's for you. What have you decided this morning that you're not capable of doing? Oh, I'm not capable. I can't do, I can't do what God's asked me to do. I can't go to this place. Finances. It's impossible. I can't go because of money. I can't do this because of X, Y, Z. And we come up with all the reasons why we can't do something for God. Why we can't give our lives to Jesus because I've got to do this or there's this in my family. If I give my life to Jesus or serve him, then this is going to happen and they're going to be affected. But listen to me. Don't look at the, all the problems. Look at the question to you today and that is will you follow me will you do what I want you to do but every one of us and normally it's fear is the thing that you put off doing things fear of the unknown fear of what's going to happen to you fear of not having enough money to do this fear is the biggest crippling thing over your destiny and Jonah which we're going to read in a minute Jonah is fearful and runs away from his call. My, my dad's here today. And when I was younger, I used to hear my mum always say to my dad, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, you're a procrastinator. Does anyone know what that means? I used to love that. Do you, there's certain words I like when you say them, procrastinator. You say you're a procrastinator. And as a little young boy, I'd be sitting in the car thinking, what on earth is a procrastinator? What is a procrastinator? I want to know what a procrastinator is. It sounds really good, but what's a procrastinator? I soon find out that a procrastinator is someone who puts things off. They leave them. 
How many of you know that it's rubbed off on me and Emma would tell you now I'm a procrastinator? I mean, I still haven't decorated the house in 10 years. I'm a procrastinator. I asked my dad, I said, Dad, what does, what does procrastinator mean? He says, I'll tell you another time. <laughs> he still hasn't told me. <laughs> I jest. Moses was called. Jeremiah was called. These people, you read about them. Moses was called. He says, I can't do the task. Why? Because I'm slow to speech. I can't. My, my language is not eloquent. I can't do this. I ain't got the qualifications. Oh, Jeremiah, he didn't want to do it either. He, he didn't feel qualified. You will never feel able to do what God is going to call you to do. So stop looking today, make an end, draw it in the line, a line in the sand to say, this is it. I am not going to look at my abilities to do this because God is able to do abundantly more, immeasurably more in my life. If you focus on what you can't do, you won't do anything. Hallelujah. Jonah leaves from this port. It's called Joppa. You can read about it in Acts chapter 10 as well. You'll see that Peter on the rooftop, I've talked about this before. Peter's on the rooftop, sees a vision. Spoke about it yesterday. And he sees this vision. He's in the same place in Joppa. It's a port where they're going to leave from. It's the same kind of instance. God calls Peter, just like Jonah, to make a decision to do something above and beyond. In fact, he says, I want you to reach the Gentile people. The gospel's got to go to the Gentiles. He has to make a decision. Can I do this with all the opposition, with everything around me? Can I do this? Jonah decides not to, and he leaves the same port on a ship, and he heads for a place called Tarshish, which is a long way away because he was originally called to a place called Nineveh. The call came, come back to Nineveh. Calls him to go to Nineveh. He says, I want you to preach to these people. They're a hard people. They won't want to listen to you. Has God ever called you to something that you think, this does not suit me. I don't want to do that because it's hard. It's difficult. I just really felt today because the Lord put this word on my heart and I really felt stirred in my heart that the Lord said to me when you were showing those pieces of paper early, he says, I'm not just going to see money go over there, but physical bodies are going to keep going. It's not going to be money just sent to Nineveh. Physical bodies are going to get into that place and change that environment. That's for another day, but listen to me. He was called to go to Nineveh to preach to them. He says, and these were hard people. And he said, I ain't going. I'm too fearful. Where's the ship? Buy a ticket. And I'm off to Tarshish. If you look where Tarshish is, it's believed to be, I think, in southern type of Spain. It's a long way away. Nineveh at the time was in Assyria, ancient Assyria, in a nearer place at the east of the Tigris River called Mosul, which you went to recently. So Jonah was asked to go to Near Mosul, where you went, near to where you went. And a call was on him to do something he didn't want to do. So what does he do? He jumps on a ship and leaves. Let's read the word of God. It says this, the word of the Lord, verse 1, came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making all of this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what? people are you? Jonah answered and he says, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what 
have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm for us? He says, pick me up. It must have been bad. And throw me into the sea. I think I'd have tried some other options first. Do we have any lifeboats? I wouldn't have gone for that one. Pick me up and throw me into the sea. And it will become calm. That's someone who knows who God is. It will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. What can we learn today from Jonah's life that story alone we do know the ending is a lot better than that but he does survive if you don't know the end of the story he gets into a fish for three days and then he gets spat up onto some beach somewhere in Nineveh and God sends him and he sees God work and he still grumbles but he still sees God lead him in the direction that he called him in but his journey was I want to redirect this call. Let me tell you, if you redirect the call of God, whether you're a Christian for five, ten years, however long you've been a Christian, whatever he's asking you to do, whatever you do against the grain will never work properly. If also God is calling you and you don't believe in Jesus, let me tell you, whatever you do in your life will always be against the grain. In Acts chapter 26, Paul, or was called Saul, meets Jesus. Now, I said this the other week, I think I was talking on, the, on Tuesday night. He meets Jesus because Jesus wants to show him who he is. Paul, in the Bible, was a terrorist of the day, killing Christians because he didn't believe in them. And so Paul is this person, Saul, should I say, is killing and slaying Christians. Jesus shows up and says to him, why do you persecute me? And he turns his eyes and his way towards Jesus so that he can turn his calling in his life from killing Christians to fishing for people and saving people. A completely opposite direction. Amazing. But this is what it's, he says to Saul. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Do you know what that means? A goad was used for oxen. So they'd have this long big stick. One with a pointy end on and one with a, a smooth end. And they would hold this stick and the oxen that would be in front. If the oxen slowed down or turned around, they would poke them with a stick. I won't lie to be on the other end of that. They would poke them with a stick to make them work. And this good that they would use to direct them, he says to Paul, he likens it to that. And he says, why do you kick against the goods? Listen to me. If you do not follow the calling of God on your life, you will kick against the good. You're going to feel the prick in your back because life will never be as it's supposed to be. There is a life intended for you that is not pushing you and pricking you. And it's called Jesus Christ. He calls everyone into relationship with him. Now, you're going to find in life that sometimes you do feel little pricks and things and problems. But let me tell you, that isn't the good. That's life. But you don't want the good to be hitting you because you're never going to be in the place where God has called you to be. Why? Why do you persecute me, Paul? Is it hard for you to kick against the goods? You see, I realized in my life several years ago when I 
gave up my career to lead the church here. And God called me. There's a calling on my life to step into something he wanted me to do. And I thought, I can't do this. Physically, I don't think it's possible. I thought, I just can't step into this destiny. But inside, my spirit said yes. My body said no. My mind was saying no. Alarm bells were ringing. The phone's ringing. I'm thinking, no, this isn't for me. It's for someone else. At the time when that was happening, the company that I worked for were offering me more money, more options. They said, this is our vision strategy for the next five to ten years. We're going to double the size of this company. We're going to open up a design center that you will no longer just be part of a marketing department, but you can work for this design center. You can do all these things. You'll notice that what happens is, when God calls you, will always put something else. The devil will always try and attract to something else. He'll try and attract you to something that looks better. But let me tell you, money, finance, nothing will ever compare to the calling Jesus has for you. I'm so happy. I'm so happy today because I walk in his destiny and not my own destiny. And some of you here today, there is things that attract you away. There are things that you look at and think, I'm just not going to follow him and take up this calling because I like this in my life. I like that. Listen to me. While ever you follow those things, you will kick against the goods. Let me tell you today, if you want the goods to be removed, you just follow him. Let go of everything in your life and give it to Jesus Christ. And you'll find peace. You'll never find fullness in the wrong place. Oswald Chambers said this. I think we've got it up here. He said this. The call of God is not a reflection of my nature. My personal desires and temperament are of no consideration. As long as I dwell on my own qualities and traits and think about what I'm suited for, I will never hear the call of God. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. In other words, deny your life what you want, take up your cross, which doesn't sound very easy, and follow me. But he also promises in that that you will find eternal life and abundant life in his name. You see, they went down. The first thing that happens is, and number one of, I didn't mention the point, is distance limits your influence. When you distance yourself from God, you get away from him, you run away from him. It limits your influence because your influence of what you were called to do is never truly fulfilled. So let me tell you, if you distance yourself from God, and that's what he tried to do. He gets to Joppa and he buys a ticket. He says he pays the fare. And I bet Tarshish was a lot higher fare than going to Nineveh. So he pays the fare to go to Tarshish and says, I'm getting out of here. Get me a ticket and get me as far away from this place as possible. Because in his mind, he thought that distance would remove God's voice. Let me tell you, Physical distance does not remove God's voice. Some people in here have said, I used to know Jesus many years ago. I used to know God many years ago, but now I've distanced myself. Let me tell you, God's voice today is hitting you right in your heart, and it's not my voice, it's the Holy Spirit. Saying to you, I'm calling you back again because you headed for Tarshish when you should have been heading for Nineveh because I had great plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, but you decided you wanted to go to Tarshish. Let me tell you today, I'm calling you back. Come back to me. Distance limits your influence. God has called you to be influential in what you're doing. So if you're going to be influential at your full capacity, you better get into line with what he's doing because you're never going to have the same influence in, in the world around you of what God calls you to do. They come down to him in the bar. I find it really interesting that the storm is absolutely raging. These guys are calling on their God, lowercase g, calling on their God. Where's Jonah in all this? 
He's down in the bottom of the deck asleep. I mean, talk about ignorant. Talk about distancing yourself. I'll tell you what happens. I know, I, I, I guess in my heart, I know what was happening. That when he did what he did, he knew his God that much that he was hiding away. Feeling depressed. Some people sometimes, the only way they can shut out the world is to go to sleep. Is to go in a quiet place, close their eyes and forget everything. And Jonah, I believe in that time, if he knew his God that much, he knew the call. He went into the deck. As much as the storm was raging, the only way to shut out the problems of life that was hitting him so hard, depression, you might be having it today, financial problems, loads of things are attacking you, and you feel like the goads are hitting you. Sometimes the only thing you do is close your eyes in the morning and think, I don't want to go out there today, I just want to close my eyes and go to sleep. They come downstairs, they wake him up saying, what is going on? Do you know? I mean, we've just cast lots up there, and, and, and our God has told us, it's amazing that God even allowed the lots to cast upon Jonah. He's in control, even when they think they're in control. He is in control. He says, you are the one, he's told us, we, our gods have said, you're the problem. Tell us, who are you? What have you done? What's happened? Distance will remove your influence. He doesn't want you in a place of depression and a place of going to sleep and trying to hide the world out. He wants you in a place of moving in the power of the Holy Ghost. Influencing people. Touching lives. Transforming people. Bringing them into the kingdom of God. That is your calling. There is so much more for you to do. The Lord says to you today, I'm calling you back to plan A. Ditch plan B. Somebody's got, that's a word for someone. He says, I'm calling you back because you've been doing plan B and it ain't working. Plan B does not work. Why? Because it's not designed by me. You need plan A, son. You need plan A, daughter. Come back and take up my plans. You see, the storms of life that came, I find it so interesting. Everyone always says, oh, there's a storm coming. Cast, curse the storm. <clears throat> it's the, from the devil. Not all storms are from the devil. You can imagine that day. We need, we need to have an intercessory prayer meeting and cast this storm away. The devils in the air are causing this. No, it was God. And it was raging enough to make him say, chuck me in the sea and it'll all end. <sighs> it must have been a bad storm. I mean, I've seen some bad storms. But it must have been a bad storm. So what we see here is, what we see is a storm that comes. Why? Because the love of God will sometimes bring storms in your life. Why? Because he loves you that much to bring you into a relationship with him. He will direct you and drive you back to him. If you've got storms in your life at the moment, don't blame Jesus and say, oh, I'm not becoming a Christian because life's terrible and God's not good. Listen, God will allow things, utilize things that are happening in your life to draw you back to him so he can take hold of you into his arms and look after you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm glad I know the God of the storms. Even the guys on the, the boat when there was a storm, he was asleep, Jesus. And he rebuked the wind and the waves. Let me tell you, he's still the one who has the power to speak to the wind and the waves. You need to know him so that he can bring peace to your storm. Number two, deception breeds misconception. Number two, deception breeds misconception. What do I mean by that? When you run from God's call and you run away from what he's asking you to do, what happens is you become misconceived and your idea of who God is gets diluted and you represent and make your own God. 
What happens is you get on a ship and head for Tarshish, you create your own God. You say, this is the God I serve, I'm going to Tarshish. This is the kind of relationship I want where I'm going in comfort. There's no challenge in my life. So I'm going to create the God. The commandments, the, the, the biblical commandments in the Old Testament say, do not make a God in your own image. That's what we do. So we add to Tarshish. Look, God, Tarshish needs some help. There's lots of work out there to do. In fact, let me just show you some of the pictures on Google. Look at the, the need there. God, you know, I know Nineveh was bad, but check out Tarshish. There's a lot of need. I've been looking at the statistics on Google. There's lots of things we need to do out there, God. And, it's so nice there. The weather's beautiful. And I, I, you know, I want to go to Tarshish. And God all along is saying, I didn't call you to Tarshish. I called you. I designed you for Nineveh. Come back. Come back. What happens is we get a misconception of who God is because we create our own God and our own plan. I don't know if you do that. Sometimes we all do it. We tell God our ideas and say, this is what I'm doing. And they hope he blesses them. He's saying, no, you, you follow my plan. I'll tell you when I'm blessing things. Don't tell me what your plans are. And I'll tell you what I'm doing in your life. He says this. They go down and they ask him to say, they wake him up say, come on, wake up. We've got problems up here. Is this, your, is this your fault? What has happened? Why has this happened, Jonah? This is what Jonah responds. Have you ever seen this? Verse 9, he says this. He answers and says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, do you now, who made the sea and the dry land. He is misconceived in his ideas. Why? Because he says, I worship God. If you worship God, you give him your life. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I'm, I serve and worship God. Let me tell you, worship is not just singing a song. Worship is what Abraham did in the book of Genesis when he goes to the top of the mountain with his son, Isaac, and he offers Isaac on an altar, and God is watching to see if he will give everything of all his life. You want to know what it is to worship God in a service and sing you are good? It's more than that. It's will you give me everything. Everything. Your life. He says, yeah, I'm a Hebrew. I worship God. He becomes misconceived. He tells them he worships a God that he didn't even listen to. A God that he ran from. Do you do that today? Oh, yes, I go to church every Sunday. I worship God. Yeah. I worship Jesus. He's my king. He's my savior. He's the Lord of my life. Yeah. I got baptized. He's everything to me. But actually he's not. Because you do not worship him and give him your life. He wants everything. Everything of you. Everything. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. He knew in his heart the word of God. He knew what God was saying to him, but he deceived himself by not doing what God says. Then you get into a place, it says in the book of James, that it's like looking in a mirror, walking away and forgetting what you look like. Have you ever done that? You go back to the mirror again. Oh, yeah. I'm looking good still. We forget what we look like. God's saying today, don't deceive yourselves into thinking that you're worshipping me and telling me your plans when actually you're not worshipping me. I want everything of your life. A.W. Tozer, great man, great quote, says this. True worship, worship that is pleasing to God radiates through a person's entire life. Wow. Not just Sunday morning, their entire life. I want us to be a church and I want us to be people. I want you 
friends today to know what it is to worship Jesus in all your life. So that your life, the Bible says that God calls our lives to be a living sacrifice. That means that you offer yourselves to him as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. Deception breeds misconception. Don't be misconceived, deceived in who God is and that you're actually worshiping him when you're not. Number three, finally, is obedience follows repentance. Obedience follows repentance. What do I mean by that? You'll find in the story that Jonah, the moment he gets thrown overboard, and I bet he was thinking, whoa, that was a bad idea. I mean, when they grabbed him, I think I'd have been at stage thinking, hang on a sec. Sorry, I didn't mean that. Dangling him over the edge. You said it. Let him go. No, I didn't mean it. Hits the sea. The sea goes calm. He goes down into the depths of the sea, and we know that a fish comes along, takes him. Read the story. You go home and read it today. I encourage you. It's on his short book. Read the story. This big fish comes along, takes him inside, and then a big distress call comes. He presses the big red button. He says, where is the emergency call? Because this is bad. I'm now inside a fish. What's happening? And he calls to God. Listen to me. God, sometimes the goads are going to hit you so hard sometimes. You'll get into a position where you will have to call upon him. Death will face you sometimes and he'll put you to a position to call on his name. The Bible says those who call upon the Lord shall be saved. So if you get into a position in your life where you nearly had a a close call, because he did, where death faces you and problems are facing you, let me tell you some good news today. Jesus died on the cross for you to set you free. He gives you new life in his name. You just got to call him. He gives him a second chance. I'm so glad that God gives people second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, sixth chance, seventh, eight, nine. Keep Keeps going on. You said today, oh, I've had enough chances. I've let God down. I've been in so many fishes. There's not, not enough room left for an emergency call button anymore. He wants you to call on him. The distress call that says, I'm in the depths, tangled in death. It surrounds me. I know I've made a mistake, God. I know I shouldn't be where I am. I'm so sorry I didn't go to Nineveh. I'm so sorry I didn't follow your call, your call to give my life to you. Save me. How many of you know that God responds in his love? He heard Jonah right inside a fish. Why? Because he made the fish. He hears him. He made the sea. He hears everything. He was waiting for his son to shout. He didn't say, oh, you didn't listen to me. You said you worshipped me and you didn't. Before he returns, he gives us the opportunity to follow him with all our lives. Obedience follows repentance. When you repent, do you know what repent means? It means to turn from your ways, to turn from your sin, to turn from your plans into his plans and his destiny. Repentance is to make a full turn. I'm going back to Nineveh. That's a word for you. Back to Nineveh. I'm turning around and I'm going that way. Repentance is what God is asking you to do, to turn around. You have to be obedient to God. It says in Jonah 1, and I come to close soon, 11 to 12, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. They asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down? And they threw him in. He said, it's my fault. But God sent him back in the right direction. He sends him right back. Some of us sometimes we try to go and force our direction saying, no, I know I'm going the right way. But listen, when you're obedient, he will send you in the right direction. Many years ago, I was taking, if anyone knows Peter Cavanagh, Pastor Peter Cavanagh, who used to be here, great man of God. 
one day said to me, he says, Phil, will you do me a favor? Will you be my driver? How many of you know it's good to be a driver? He said, will you be my driver and take me somewhere? I said, I'll help you out. And so I took him to a little place called Saffron Walden. If you know Saffron Walden, not too far from here. And so he said to me, he said, I said, I'll pick you up, 7 o'clock. He said, I'm preaching there, so we need to be there on time. Important. So I get my car, go and pick him up. I drive there, and I said, I've been on Google Maps today, Peter Cavanna, and I know a better way than what you said. There's a lot faster routes on the M11. Why did you say to go on the normal roads? You can go on the M11. He said, are you sure? I said, trust me. <laughs> so we set off. We go past Duxford. And you know, we, we waved to the uh, Saffron Walden turn off. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah. He says, the guys are there ready. They're going to be worshipping there. I'm going to preach. And I said, trust me. I said, I've seen there's an exit turn off. It takes you straight through to near Saffron Walden. He says, well, if that's what you say, you're a prophet. So we drive down the M11, we keep going, and I keep looking and looking, and I didn't see this, what I thought was a fictitious road, and, or he thought was a fictitious road, and we were driving down the M11, and Emma's in the back of the car, and I'm taking a nice steady pace with confidence inside that we're going to get off, and I'm going to prove to my pastor, there's more I know than you do. And so I kept on going, and the road never appeared. And he started to sweat, and I am not exaggerating, because he said, I ne one of the things Peter Cavana used to say is, I'd never like to be late to a venue. When he was sweating, I was sweating. So I thought, he's going to banish me from the church. So we kept on going down the M11, and I'm looking, the road never appears, and then all of a sudden, this thought inside me thought, hang on a sec, I wonder if it was a, a road that doesn't exist. Then all of a sudden, I see the road appear. Praise God. Unfortunately, it said work exit only. <laughs> Lorries only. The road existed, but I couldn't go down it. So then I had to drive all the way to Stansted Airport, turn around and go back up to where I started to get to the place and double my time. So I did. Let's just say that it was like Back to the Future, if you've ever seen that film. We traveled at extortionate speeds, but I've asked the Lord for forgiveness since. You know, I was wondering, what do, who do I need to face? I either face God or my pastor. What? Which is the worst? And with, with him being immediately sat next to me, gripping hold of the, of the, of the door. Anyway, we cruised back on and we arrived there just in time. And he walked to the front. The worship finished. We didn't even get time to worship. He, worked, he walks into the front. I sit down. I'm sweating. And they, think, they probably think we're sweating because we've been praying for an amazing meeting. Oh, look at these passionate two. Here I walk in, walk down to the front. I'm thinking, little do you know, I've just been to Duxford. Stansted. I wish it was Duxford. I said... He said, I sit down, he gets up, they said, oh, it's great to see you, Pastor Peter, and to preach the word tonight, so they invite me, stands up, and he says, tonight, he goes, it's great to be here, Peter says. He says, I brought my driver with me. <laughs> he says this, he says, in fact, he says, we came on a, on a new route tonight. <laughs> he says, the route is that new, it's not been built yet. I was sat there, I felt that big. I thought, where's Nineveh? I'm going. How many of you know, it wasn't until I was obedient to him and actually listened to what he said in the first place, we would have not wasted time. The problem is, I wanted to do it my way. Because I did it my way. Not your way, his way. He says, I'm calling you back to my way because your way is going to take you a lot longer. You're going to learn some lessons on the way and you're going to get angry sometimes and angry with me. But it's not my fault. It's because you never listened to me. You said you worshipped me but didn't give me a life. You said you trusted me but you didn't trust me. God is saying to you today, don't waste time. 
listen the first time and go to wherever he calls. Even when it feels like there's a financial problem, wherever it's going to be against you, he says, I don't care because I will send you to where I want you to go because I have the means and abilities to give you provision. Lord, we speak that over people right now who need to do destiny in this place. That finances will come. That the limitations of this world will not stop us from you having your way in our lives. Nothing will stop us. The enemy is saying, oh, but what about that problem? What about the finances? You need more. No. I said a word to someone yesterday. If you were here at the conference, and you probably heard me say a word I said to someone. I said, In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John go up to the temple. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus stand and walk. And I said to them, I said, the Lord wants you to know not to trust in silver and gold, but to look at what you do have. He came up to me afterwards. Do you know what he said? He said, everything you said was correct. He said, in fact, on the way up from Portsmouth, they traveled from Portsmouth. He said, in the car, we were talking about Acts chapter 3 and said, we shouldn't trust in silver or gold. I connected with him. He was a pastor yesterday. Now I'm connected with him in Portsmouth. God spoke to him. But what does that tell you? It tells you, because the Lord spoke to me for them yesterday. And it's a word for you today. Silver and gold is not what you've got to trust in. It is him. What you do have. If you have something in him, in his name, you don't need money. Well, you do. A little bit. But he provides. He provides. Hallelujah. If the worship team want to just come back. I said I was going to be short. Some of us today have walked in the wrong direction. He says, I'm calling you back. Stop redirecting your call. When we love God, obedience is not a burden. It's a delight. It's a delight. It's not a burden. Obedience should be a delight. Just as we come to finish, I want to tell you of someone greater than Jonah, greater than any single person in the Bible Who was called to do something, and that is Jesus Christ. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, received a call from his father. The phone rang. Stay with me. In heaven. Have you ever had the phone ring and you look and you think, not answering that. Oh, I can't speak to that. I, I know what they're going to ask me. The phone rang. And he answered it. And he didn't redirect the call. The father said to him, will you go? Will you go? Die. For my people. Die for my people. And he saw the call. And he answered. And he could have said no. He could have said no, 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 no. no. It's too much. The Bible says that when he was in Gethsemane, he said, Father, can't this cup be taken from me? But he also says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross for you. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ received a call to go to earth. To step onto this planet. He came as a little baby. He grew up to the time that was fulfilled for him to offer himself on the cross. To take the nails in his hands. To take the nails in his feet. 
to be crucified for you and for me. How much do you think he wanted to redirect the call? How much do you think he wanted to say, call diversion, this is not for me. But because of his love for you, the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He accepted the call and died for you so that you could have life. Do you know what happened? Before they crucified him, they took him and flogged him, scourged his back. And all the way through that scourging, all the way through that flogging, do you know what was happening? The enemy was saying this in Jesus' ears. He was saying, give up. Do not die. Give up. Why? Because if he could get him to stop when the goads were hitting him, when things were hard and tough, when he felt a struggle, if he could get him to stop and not die, you, my friends, would have to take the call. But he took the call for you. You don't have to worry. Because he took the call. And he said, yes, I will. When do I go? When do I go? And he came to earth and he died on a cross for you. Why? To die for every single sin that you've done wrong. Every single thing wrong in your life. All the brokenness today can be forgiven. Because Jesus says, I paid it all for you on the cross. Those who call on my name shall be saved. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that he gave his life for me. Philippians 2 verse 8, I finish with this, says this. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Friends, if... You do not accept Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what will happen. You have to take the call. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. You have to take the call. But he says you can accept my forgiveness and I'll take the call for you. You don't have to redirect. Let me tell you today, there is forgiveness and freedom in this room. Why not we stand? Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.